Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to The John Cordray Show, number 14. Today I'm talking about social anxiety and the fear of crowds. This is The John Cordray Show, the infusion of mental health and healthy living. Welcome to the green zone of inspiration, encouragement, and enlightenment. Discover how you can feel better so you can start living better. And now, your host, your friendly neighborhood therapist, a national certified counselor, a leading voice of emotionally healthy living, and the mental health dude, John Cordray. Hello and welcome to the John Cordray Show. I am so glad you're here with me today. Really appreciate you coming and listening to my show, and I just really want to let you know I appreciate you and I welcome you uh, to this episode and I, I am uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this, uh, specifically social phobia or what can be called social anxiety disorder or social phobia. Uh, it, it, believe it or not, it is the third largest mental health issue in the entire world. Uh, that's about 7% of the world population. Now think about that for a minute. That is a staggering number of people who struggle with social phobia. So if you are one of uh, those people who struggle with social anxiety or social phobia, I just want to encourage you, you are not alone. You are among the third largest population in the world that struggles with this particular disorder. Uh, so you are definitely not alone, although it probably feels like you're alone. It probably feels like that you are the only one that struggles with social phobia or the fear of people, the fear of crowds, the fear of public places. Maybe you have a hard time going to the grocery store. You might have a hard time making a phone call. You hate uh, going to... Uh, events or holidays or wherever there's a lot of people where you might have to be forced to do some small talk, that is probably the last place, the last thing you want to do is to be around with other people. Uh, and so you're not alone. And if that is you, you are in the right spot because I want to talk about how you can work on specifically how you can work on that social fear. Uh, just being uh, afraid or worrying uh, that these other people are watching you and they're looking for an opportunity for you to make a mistake. And, and in your mind, anyway, you think they're going to laugh at you, they're going to make fun of you, and, and you're going to feel embarrassed. You're going to feel ashamed. You're going to really feel out of your comfort zone. And and that's what social phobia does. It it, it prevents you from really wanting to do anything that involves other people, especially people you don't know really well, even if it's your family. Uh, for a lot of people, holidays, reunions, family reunions uh, can be very, very difficult, very stressful just because 
you're going to be in the room by yourself or not by yourself, but alone with everybody else. Right. So you, you feel like you're the only one in the room that has this high anxiety when you're around other people. So you feel like you're the only one in the room, but then at the same time, it feels almost claustrophobic because there's too many people and you want to know exactly where that escape route is, how to exit the room. And so maybe you can't scoot your way to the exit door and just, just in case. Uh, so just being in a room with a lot of people can bring some intense anxiety. It can maybe increase your heart rate. You might sweat a little. And obviously you, you your mind is distorted because you think people can read your mind. Uh, but that's not the case. People cannot read your mind. They're not watching or waiting for you to screw up so they can laugh at you. But that's exactly what your social phobia is wanting you to believe. So if you have that, if that's something that you struggle with, then uh, just, again, remind you, you're not the only one. And it does affect all people, regardless of how old you are or your gender or your ethnicity. It doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor, well-educated, or didn't graduate from high school at all. And one of the worst things is, for the most part, it's also invisible to other people. Most of the time, people cannot look at you and realize you have social phobia. Now, it might feel that way. It might feel like people can look at you and, and identify, oh, that person has social anxiety, how dare they? And they and maybe make fun of you. And that's what your mind is thinking. But really, for the most part, nobody really knows. No one understands the intense anxiety that you are facing or feeling when you're in the same room with a bunch of other people. And I mentioned earlier that there are people who have a hard time going to the grocery store or maybe they, they, they'll go into the store but only halfway in because if they go all the way to the back, there's no way out. They have to be close to the exit. They have to have at least an eye shot of where the exit door is so they can escape if they need to. The, the feeling of uh, kind of the claustrophobic where everything tends to crowd around you uh, and, and, and maybe... Uh, you feel that way when you have to go through the drive-through at a at a fast food restaurant, you know. Maybe that intense anxiety comes out because you have to order something, or maybe go up to the counter and order something, and and you might make a mistake, you might screw up, you may not get it right, and and you're afraid that that person's going to make fun of you. And and that's that's the difficulty of social phobia. For some of you, going to the thought of going to school can be terrifying you know going to school not because of the homework not because of the work that's involved but because there's other people in the classroom and you might have to be forced to raise your hand and then the spotlight's on you and then that intense anxiety comes flooding your mind so there's a lot of different types of social phobia and it just depends on your circumstance you know, going to work might be hard for some because you work in an office where there's a lot of people involved. 
and yet you go. Even though you have social phobia, you can still go uh, to these events, to these things, to school, to work, but you have a very difficult time. It's almost a white-knuckling it to get through. And uh, so so social phobia is not always going to prevent you from doing things. It's just going to make it a whole lot worse. So the thought of telling someone that you have social phobia is probably like making you eat worms, right? So for, for me to say, you know what you should do? You should go and tell somebody that you have a phobia, that you're afraid of being around other people. That's the worst thing, the, the last thing, and the worst thing that you can think of doing. And you might be wanting to eat the worms more than telling somebody that you have social phobia. Uh, but really what happens, when, if you can do that, if you can get to the place where you tell somebody, it doesn't have to be everybody, but tell somebody that you just say, I really struggle with uh, crowds. I get really nervous when I'm in crowds, uh, I really have a hard time going to work. I have a hard time going to the grocery store. I have a hard time making phone calls because I'm talking to somebody on the other line that I don't know, I don't see, and it's really difficult. So if you can do that, if you can tell somebody, one person, that you have social phobia or at least that you have anxiety around other people, I think that will help release some of the burden that you're feeling. And, uh, and and release some of that humiliation and embarrassment. And, and, and that's the thing. You know, people feel that uh, humiliation and embarrassment that is associated with social phobia. I have treated clients, and, and actually I'm still currently treating clients who have social phobia or a similar type of anxiety, and, and they talk about their intense fear of looking stupid in front of others. Or saying something really embarrassing. And it's their fear of being humiliated prevents them from making friends, for instance. Or going somewhere in public. Or making that phone call. Or doing something just for fun out with other people. Because they are convinced that they're going to do something embarrassing in front of other people. And then those people are going to watch. They're going to laugh. They're going to point fingers. And they're going to be embarrassed. And that happens a lot when, with clients that, I, that struggle with social phobia. They, they, they feel that way all the time. And if they had a choice of going out with friends or reading a book alone, so their choice is either go out with friends, have fun with friends, or stay home and read a book or stay home and do something else, they would almost always choose to be alone. But here's the ironic thing. The ironic thing is they don't really want to be alone, but it's the very thing that they fear being with other people that keeps them from going out. So they choose to be alone rather than have fun. And so somebody with social phobia can be very lonely because it's not that they don't want to be with their friends and and go out and have fun. It's just that they feel like they can't. It's this invisible monster, if you will, of social phobia that prevents them from going out and having fun. And I haven't talked to a single person with social phobia that wasn't afraid of being alone. 
So th- this is the where it gets ironic, right? It's almost an oxymoron. They can't. They feel like they can't go out with their friends or go out with other people. They rather be alone. But then they're afraid of being alone forever. So it's the I want to be alone, but I don't want to be alone. And it's a fear both ways. And and so here's a rock and a hard place for somebody with social phobia. And they're afraid that their fear of people will keep people away. And they're afraid that they will never get married or they'll never have children or they'll never get promoted or they never go to school or to college. And, and because they feel like, well, I can't be with people, but I don't want to be alone either. And yet, even though they want to get better, their fear keeps them from doing so. The fear of people keeps them from wanting to get better. And I even had a client say that she feared getting better because that would be a new way of living. So there's this theme of fear, being afraid. Even someone who wants to get better, not have the social phobia anymore, can be afraid of living a different life, a life free of anxiety. That can be scary if it's something you'd never experienced before because it's a whole new way of living. So fear is a predominant theme for somebody with social phobia. You know, this person that I was just talking about really didn't want to give up something that she knew for so long, which was her fear, and she was afraid of having a completely new identity if she got better. So fear is a very powerful thing, and, and it could prevent you from doing a lot of things. It could keep you from living a fulfilling life. And by the way, this client is doing a whole lot better now. She is, has uh, worked through her anxiety, her social fear, and now she can be with people not completely anxiety-free, but a whole lot better. She doesn't have to white knuckle it anymore. And she does have that new identity, that social phobia that's off her back. And she's feeling a whole lot better. And you can too, if you choose to really work on this fear of people. So social phobia is treatable. I want to encourage you this. If you suffer, if you struggle with the fear of crowds or fear of people, it is treatable. You can be treated You can work through it. You don't have to live with this intense fear any longer. So if you suffer from uh, social phobia or social anxiety, you don't have to forever. That's pretty good news, isn't it? You don't have to live with social phobia for the rest of your life. You don't have to be a prisoner in your home anymore. You don't. You don't have to be a prisoner to this anxiety that's taken over. So the first step to getting better is always the hardest. Always. The first step to getting better is always the hardest. But I know you can do it. You can do this. So what's the next step? What is that step? What is the first step that's always the hardest? And here it is. I call it face your giant. Face your giant. Uh, it, it, it's um, a lot like the the Bible story, the Old Testament, with the little shepherd boy. His name was David, and he volunteered to fight uh, in the Israeli army and and uh, to fight the giant Philistine Goliath. 
And David was surely afraid. And here was this real little boy who was going up against this monster of a man, Goliath. But he had courage. David faced this giant. And he knew that God would help him win the battle. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm not going to go into the story. You can go into the Old Testament and look at that. It's an awesome story. Uh, But your giant, your Goliath, is the social phobia. And one of the best ways to fight that fear, to fight that, that giant, is to face it head on. David would never have won the battle if he hid from Goliath. You can hide. You can deny. You can stay home. But that social phobia, the social anxiety, will always be there. Always be on your back. So at this point, you may be saying, sure, it's easy for you to say to face your fear, but my fear is too intense and debilitating. Well, I believe that. But I'm sure your, your fear is huge, and I'm sure it feels like it's impossible to get over. But, and I don't want to downplay how intense your fear is, but I do believe in the power of action. You have to do something in order for something to happen. So I want to encourage you, no matter how intense, how big your giant or your social anxiety is, you've got to believe in that power of action yourself. So take small steps to face your fear. Maybe if you're afraid of making that phone call, you can simply hold the phone in your hand without making the call, right? That's a little step. If you're afraid to go to the grocery store, ask someone that you are comfortable with to go with you so you don't go to the store alone. So it's taking small steps to face your giant, to face your fear. So if you're going somewhere new, go early and make a plan of how you're going to get there and what you will do. So the idea is to take a step, one step at a time to face your fear. So just one step then another, and so on. So the more you face your giant or your social anxiety, the more likely your fear fear will decrease over time. This is sort of like uh, exposure therapy. But here's the thing. Don't take too big of a step. So the idea is to gradually decrease your fear by increasing your courage and your confidence. So as I mentioned previously, social phobia affects huge numbers of people all over the world. Men have social phobia just as much as women do. And depending on what research you read, men outnumber women when it comes to social phobia. Pretty interesting. Men outnumber women when it comes to social phobia. So it can be especially hard for men who struggle with social anxiety because of the stigma of appearing weak. You know, as men, we we hear or we believe or we see in society that boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. It's a a floating, invisible mantra that is on every man's head or in every man's head pressuring him to be tough and take it like a man. And it can be very difficult because if you are a man and you struggle with anxiety, 
it's very difficult to take it like a man because you don't feel like a man. You feel like a wimp, even though you're not. So worry and fear of making a fool of yourself in public can stop you in your tracks. The worry and fear of making a fool of yourself will keep you from doing things. And then it's the anticipation of making a fool of yourself can be just as hard. So just thinking about it, even if it doesn't come true, you're thinking about the worst case scenario. And it keeps you from living a free life. So the first step I mentioned is to face your giant. And you know whatever that giant is that you need to face. Maybe it's going to the grocery store. Maybe it's making a phone call. Maybe it's going through the drive-thru. Maybe it's going to a reunion or a holiday event, whatever. You know your, your giant. And my question to you is, are you able to tell yourself that you need to confront your fear head on? So that's, that's really the, the, a very critical question. Can you believe, can you tell yourself that you need to confront your fear head on? So remember to do this slow. Take it one step at a time. Don't overburden yourself by taking on more than you can handle right now. Because anxiety can be very, very sneaky. And you don't want this anxiety to creep in and hit you when you least expect it. And it will hit you at the most inconvenient time. So it almost seems like it has a mind of itself. The anxiety has a mind of itself. Like it somehow knows when to strike and make your life miserable. And anxiety is very slippery and sneaky and can take you out with ease. It doesn't take much if you have anxiety to keep you from doing things. But here's the thing. You've got to believe this. Anxiety is not really that powerful. It isn't. It feels powerful. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. Each week, we talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us, because no matter who you are, we all smell like humans. Please follow the link in the show notes. And it feels like it's ruining your life, but it's not. And I know that your anxiety uh, is, is intense, but it can't physically hurt you. It can't break your arm. It can't smack you in the face. It can't give you a black eye. So it really isn't that part. It's a feeling. And, but feelings can be very controlling. But it's not that powerful. You are powerful. You are more powerful than your anxiety. And that's what you need to believe. So anxiety is really an illusion of being powerful, the anxiety itself. But the truth is you are the powerful one. You are more powerful than your anxiety, but the trick is you need to believe it. And that's what brings me to the second step. 
So the first step is to uh, face your giant, whatever that giant is. The second one is put a face on it. Put a face on your anxiety. So like I mentioned, anxiety seems to have a mind of its own. It seems like a real thing that you really can't see. You can feel it, but you can't see it. But the secret to being more powerful than your anxiety is to actually make it more visible. So try to make it uh, an, an intangible thing tangible, at least in your mind. Because anxiety is slippery and invisible, it can be hard to face. But if you can make it more visible by putting a face on it or to it and naming it, it can help you better visualize what you're dealing with. Now, I know this might seem a little corny, but don't knock it until you try it, okay? So try to really think about your anxiety. How does your anxiety make you feel, both emotionally and physically? How does it make you feel? What does your anxiety make you do or not do? Now, take a piece of paper and try to imagine what your anxiety looks like and draw a picture of it. Right. And so either do it now or do it later, but get a piece of paper, really think through what does it look like to you? Right. What comes to mind? What image comes to mind? Does it have a color? Does it look like a blob or a parasite? Is it big or is it small? Does it have eyes, hands, feet? Uh, an example. Here's an example that I actually had a little boy. Uh, years ago in my office, he came to me, he had a lot of anxi uh, anxiety and anger, and I asked him to do this very thing, and he caught on to it. He caught the the idea, the concept very quickly, and he took out a piece of paper, had a marker, and he made uh, a tornado, and he said, I feel like this when I get angry and anxious, like a tornado, because to him, it was... Every, when he gets in that mode, everything around him, he destroyed, right? So he threw things, he tore things up, he kicked things and, and made a mess. And that was his picture of what his anxiety and anger looked like. So I want you to try that. I want you to draw it and whatever comes to mind. It could be a dragon. It could be, like I said, a blob or a parasite. And then give your anxiety a name. So pick a name that represents how you feel about your anxiety. And the name that you give your anxiety will help you face it when it rears its ugly head. So if you can put a face to it and put a name to it, I think it will help you, at least in your mind, visually give you a more tangible thing to fight. So if you decide to give this, this a try, you'll have a picture and a name for your anxiety and you can literally put a face on your anxiety. And you may even want, let's say it's a, a dragon. Uh, buy, buy a little toy dragon and put it somewhere to remind you that that is your enemy. That's the anxiety that you're going to face. That's the anxiety that you're going to have more powerful power over. And you're going to win. So why is this helpful? Why is it helpful to put a name and a face to your anxiety. Well, believe it or not, it actually will help your anxiety become more tangible and then in turn will help you feel more power over it, 
right? So if if you if it's just an invisible thing, it's powerful, but you can't see, can't really get an idea what it looks like. It's just this this intense heaviness that you have no way of fighting. You don't see it. You can't you can't see what it would seem like. Uh, so it's not tangible. So putting a face and a name to it will help that. So being terrified of people and or public or places because of anticipation of being embarrassed or humiliated, uh, in my estimate, uh, estimation, if I can say that right, the number one reason that kills relationships, right? So it's the anticipation of being a fool or looking like a fool will kill real relationships. It will um, really put a damper on any type of relationships. Uh, so it's the fear of looking stupid that's intense that it makes those who, who have the social anxiety become extremely introverted and isolated. So when someone with, with social phobia does venture outside, they can be caught off guard by some random person, and then the anxiety will hit like a hot flash. Panic sets in, and their mind creates mostly distorted thoughts of impending doom. So what is a person to do when they have high anxiety and they're in a situation that they can't get away from? Uh, tell yourself the truth. State the facts. And that's step number three, which is self-talk. So we are, by design, emotional creatures. When things go wrong, we should get upset. When things are sad, we should be sad. When things are good, we should be happy. That's how we're made. That's how we were created. But sometimes our emotions can get so inflated and magnified that they become distorted. And when our emotions become distorted, our thoughts become irrational and not based in reality. So with, with someone with, with social anxiety, their thoughts can cause them to believe that they can read other people's minds. They just know that the other person is thinking they are stupid, for instance. So if you struggle with social anxiety or some other anxiety, do you find yourself thinking something like that at times, that you just you believe what other people are thinking? They're looking at you. They're laughing at you. Uh, and here's the key to reducing that distorted thinking. It's to realize when you're doing it. So when, you, when you're thinking, oh, man, that person's watching me or they're watching me, they're going to laugh at me, catch that. Like catch yourself from thinking that. And, and, you know, maybe someone has told you before that your thoughts are distorted or inaccurate. So once you realize that your thoughts are not based in reality, uh, you can begin telling yourself what is true. So start by stating the facts of what you see around you. Like there are five people in line ahead of me. Oh, the sun is bright today. That baby is really cute. So when you list things that are using uh, the, uh, the factual things, you're using a lar logical part of your brain, which will help lower the emotional part of your brain. So you have a logic part of your brain and your emotional brain. And when your anxiety is high, the emotions are high, the emotional part of your brain. And so try to introduce more logical thinking to balance out your brain. So another thing you can do is develop a plan uh, in your mind of what you're going to do, sort of like... Um, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to walk to the store. Uh, once I'm in the store, I'm going to buy bread and milk. When I'm in line for my groceries, I will smile. So 
coming up with a a plan of what you're going to do a lot of times can help uh, help you get through that anxiety. So make a detailed plan and, and it will help you feel prepared enough to make your journey, whatever that journey is. So self-talk is an, uh, another tool that can help you uh, organize your distorted thoughts into more rational thoughts. And that's exactly what you need. And once you have rational thoughts, you'll be able to cope with your social anxiety. So those are three things that I hope will help you. One, step one is to face your giant, take small steps towards the very thing you fear. Step two, put a face to it or a name so you can make it an intangible, tangible. And then step three is self-talk. Talk yourself the, uh, through it. Tell yourself the truth and start believing that truth and not the lies that your anxiety will tell you. So work on this. I really think it would help you re-listen to this. I think you need you probably need to listen to this often. But I really appreciate you coming and listening. And uh, hope that this helps you in some way. And I really appreciate you. If you suffer from social anxiety, you can do this. I believe in you. So until next time, stay in a green zone. You have been listening to The John Cordray Show. Remember, your story isn't over yet. Together, we can break the stigma of mental health. Together, we can make a difference. Be sure to catch the next episode of The John Cordray Show. Until next time, stay in the green zone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.